0: Hey guys, I'm Turlove. And I'm Emerson. We co-host a podcast at UW called Red Square. Every other week, we stand on Red Square and have conversations
1: with people who open up to us about love, discovery, surprise, and sometimes even
2: whales. We believe that each person has a story, and in sharing them, we can build a little more empathy on our campus.
0: So head over to UWPodcast.com
2: and listen to Red Square.
1: Welcome and thank you for joining us here once again at the Box Seat Podcast. I'm Josh Heddy. And I'm Caden Conder, And we're your guide to anything and everything college basketball related. Today is Monday, January 27th, and we'll give you guys a weekend rapid fire review, breaking down some of the bigger games the past few days. And we'll also have Montserrat Villasenor on for the newest edition of Meet the Riders. And we just wanted to start out the show by saying rest in peace to Kobe
2: Bryant, who passed away yesterday morning in a helicopter accident. Kobe's legacy, Josh, it transcends basketball. It really does. And he was such an important figure for the game and he taught a lot of our generation what it meant to really work for your goals. So Kobe Bryant, you will be missed. Prayers up to your family.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it seems a little out of place maybe to be talking about him on college a college basketball podcast concerning never played college basketball but like you said his his legacy will transcend the nba and the rest of college or the rest of basketball and all of sports really he was one of the bigger icons in the sports world through our generation for sure he was like we were we never had michael jordan we were we were born after his or i guess we were very young when he was going through his second run his second three beat but yeah and kobe was kind of the guy to kind of bridge a gap between Jordan and LeBron who is the bigger guy now and yeah this is this was one of the more surreal celebrity deaths to me and yeah, it's, it's really sad especially with what he's been doing after after his retirement as far as advocating for the women's basketball game and being a family man and a father and the, yeah the, it's really it makes me sick to my stomach especially considering his daughter uh, Gianna was in the helicopter also and seemed like she was going to be the person to kind of carry on his legacy in the in the women's game and into the WNBA and now yeah, it just, it it really sucks. And, yeah, it's it's tough for me to kind of process this all this happening because it, it really seemed like there's no way this could have happened.
2: Yeah, it's a tragic death for sure. And he touched so many people, just not even in basketball, but outside of basketball, athletes all around the world, not even athletes, businessmen, you know, anybody that was just really working hard for their goals. He was really a symbol of that, you know, the Mamba mentality.
1: I think people,
2: that's something that people won't forget very soon.
1: Yeah, exactly. And kind of saying other sports, yesterday was the day that happened, and we saw tributes all around the Pro Bowl from football players who obviously don't play basketball, at least haven't a long time. And a guy like Neymar scores a goal, and I didn't know what, what it was, but I saw it on, on Twitter, and he, he also attributed Kobe, and that, that was, it's it just, it's beautiful that, that kind of impact he had, and whether you loved him or hated him on the court you damn well respected him and you damn well respected the kind of work ethic he, he put forth and um, the, just that mentality and it, it was something special and we it's not something we've really seen since him and it was similar to Jordan in that regard and the, the today's NBA and today's basketball I, we don't have a guy like that and that's what makes it so much more special what he did and yeah his his legacy will, will live on forever and he, he wasn't a perfect man he, and no one is but I think People need to kind of celebrate him for what he's done, as far as the kind of, the kind of advocacy he's done for so many athletes and so many leaders worldwide. And I, I think he he'll be an icon for years to come. So yeah, very very sad day, very sad time in the in the sports world, and definitely thoughts and prayers are for his family and all those he affected Mm -hmm. moving forward and wish him nothing but the best. Definitely. Um, Now we do have some college basketball to go over so we're gonna transition here to
2: some rapid fire. Uh, Josh is gonna start it out and I'm gonna accompany
1: whatever he says with a little little couple second blurb on on the state (laughs) of college basketball nowadays. All right, getting right into it, Kamar Baldwin assassinates Marquette with 27 points after, half- after halftime to boost Butler to an overtime win, killing a three-loss skid for the Butler Bulldogs. And buy stock in this Butler team now because they are peaking at the right time. Top-ranked Baylor continues to win games in all types of way with a victory at Florida. Just when the Gators started gaining traction, they lose back-to-back games to fall to 12-7 and in the season.
2: And I said buy stock in Butler, sell your stock in Florida. They just don't have the discipline and they might not even make the tournament at this rate.
1: Louisville went on an early 20-0 run against Clemson and never looked back in an 18-point romp for their sixth straight win. The Cardinals are a team that I've been on high on for some time. Darius
2: Perry and Sam Orslam Williamson. They're huge complimentary pieces for Jordan
1: Wara. This is the most complete team that I've seen this season. Kansas escapes late with an 8-point win over a frisky Tennessee team, desperately looking for a signature win. Devon Dotson leads the way with 22-7, and, seven and has scored double figures in all but one game this season. This Jayhawks team, they just know how to close out games, and Devin Dotson is the perfect guy to lead them. Kentucky steals a win in Lubbock over Texas Tech in overtime. Red Raiders had a chance to put this game away twice at the free-throw line and couldn't get the job done.
2: Games like these at this point in the season, they can go either way, and they're massive confidence boosters
1: for the winning team. So in this case, Kentucky gets that boost. Florida State holds off the Notre Dame comeback just long enough to grab its seventh conference win. The Seminoles flash their depth with Wyatt Wilkes putting 19 points on the Irish.
2: And the ACC is not deep this year, they're
1: still developing, but I would have faith in Duke, Louisville, and this Florida State team to all make deep march runs. Io Sumo shows the college world why he's a force to be reckoned with after knocking down a game-winning jumper in Ann Arbor to go along with his 27 points in Illinois' 64 to 62 win at Michigan. Illinois has now won six straight games. They're tied with Michigan State for the conference lead. Scalar Mays leads LSU to its eighth straight win with a two-point victory in Austin. The Tigers are looking the part of a Sweet 16 team once again with elite talent and athleticism. 8 straight
2: wins for LSU, that's an impressive number, although I do worry that this team is peaking at the wrong time.
1: Either way, they're playing good basketball, though. Arizona State roars back from being down 22 in the second half. Just stun Arizona by a one-point margin. Typical Pac-12 after-dark special, huge win for ASU's tournament resume. San Diego stays perfect with a four-point win at UNLV to improve to 21-0. Will they remain perfect this year. Maryland wins a game that it had no business winning for probably the first time all season. The Terps go into Assembly Hall and knock off a red-hot Indiana team that's got sights set on its first tournament berth in four years.
2: Indiana, they had a chance to win
1: at the buzzer. Nevertheless, Mark Turgeon has done a great job with his Maryland team this year. Alright, so now we're going to get into a few bigger things, kind of breaking down a little more games. We usually like to go into three big things. We started with the passing of Kobe Bryant so we'll kind of move on now to the second thing we had and that will be the big game of the weekend it kind of was a a pretty chalk weekend for the most part a lot of of ranked teams winning not a whole lot of upsets but the big game was uh, number 15 Kentucky at number 18 Texas Tech Kentucky wins this game uh, in overtime and it was it was definitely the biggest game of the weekend I think it was only a ranked matchup and yeah it was it was a really good game start to finish and yeah, I I will be the first to say I kind of penciled this Kentucky team down for an early March uh, exit, but I'm starting to believe a little more that was a really big win. I've been high on this Texas Tech team all year, and them going into Lubbock and getting a win I think was really impressive. So I, I'm coming back a little bit on the Kentucky ship mm-hmm. a little bit. And I really, I'm really, i really
2: enjoying watching these SEC Big 12 matchups at this point in the season. Yeah, uh, it was a nice little break from conference it, it really was, and it kind of, it was usually at this point in the season, we don't really have a chance to watch teams from other conferences play each other, but this was a good way for us college basketball, we can call ourselves analysts, right? Yeah,
0: sure, right? Yeah,
2: <laughs> us, us analysts, we were able to kind of dive deep and really compare conference by conference as opposed to... You know, sometimes people in the same conference, they just like to beat up on each other and we don't really get a, a wide view of, you know, yeah. how how they're actually compare on the college basketball landscape, but Kentucky repping the SEC, they did a good job against the Big 12. Yeah, I think
1: the Big 12 SEC actually turned out just a 5-5 five and five split, so it doesn't really show us that much, but these individual matchups and in some of the the higher profile games, if mm-hmm. you will, this was the most high profile, the only other one was... Baylor at Florida, which obviously Florida had, had its troubles, but Baylor kind of took care of them yeah. pretty, pretty easy in that one. Not not super surprising. But, yeah, this was the one where it was a real litmus test for both teams. Kentucky, a team that, I mean, guys like me maybe not believe in them so much because they don't have the elite-level talent they usually have. And Texas Tech, a team that's kind of, I think, been really good but had some tough losses. They, they've had a lot of losses that they should have won, and they've also been kind of beat up a lot of the season, and they are young. But, I yeah, I don't know. I, I definitely believe in this Texas Tech team still moving forward. I think Chris Beard is one of the better coaches in, in the nation, and I think they have two really good freshmen in uh, Jemias Ramsey and, uh, and Shannon. And once they kind of start developing and, and being more of those guys that you can look forward to win these games, then I think this Texas Tech team has its sights set on maybe another Final Four. I, I know it's, they're not even ranked right now, but I love what I see from them still.
2: Yeah, I I personally I think they'll get bounced second weekend of the tournament. And that could also happen because um, they haven't
1: been too consistent all season. Yeah,
2: I say that be- mostly because of the consistency. Also because they did make it so far last year and it was kind of a Cinderella run. It's very very tough to repeat that kind of success, especially in the NCAA tournament when you're, you know, anything can happen. Upsets happen like crazy, especially how wild this year's been in college basketball. If Texas Tech, if they do enter the tournament, as a you know six seven seed, I could definitely see them losing pretty early, but I respect your opinion.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think it's more maybe I trust them a little more than I should because of the original residual effects of last season, even the season before when they had Zaire Smith and they I think they made the Elite Eight and they were they ended up losing to Villanova, I believe, who went on to win the whole thing in a romp over Michigan. So it was yeah, like I I think Chris Beard is maybe the best coach today is what he's been doing recently in, in the in the whole nation I mean obviously he doesn't have the pedigree of guys like coach K coach Cal Roy Williams even and Tony Bennett uh, but what he's been doing consistently for years now I think is something that mm-hmm. people have to look at and their defense has been lights out since he's been there so that that's always something to kind of lean on mm-hmm. if you're looking for a deep run it's a really good defensive team because defense travels
2: Yeah, and on the top, you brought up Roy Williams, so on that topic really quickly, (laughs) uh, I have to give a shout-out because we don't really cover them this year. They're not really relevant, but Roy Williams did just pass. You cover
1: them quite a bit. (laughs) I
2: I try and find my spots, but Roy Williams, he just passed Dean Smith for all-time wins, I think at 881 total. Yeah,
0: that's Um,
2: big. That's huge for Carolina basketball. It only took him like six or seven games. Uh, (laughs) We lost five or six before that, but... We beat Miami by like 20 a couple days ago, so that was a huge victory for him. So congrats to Coach Roy.
1: Any Cole Anthony update?
2: No, actually, we're supposed to be playing NC State tonight, and he's not active for that one either. Um, my prediction is that we're going to keep him out until the Duke game, and maybe the game before the Duke and get game. get that nice little boost. And get, give us that nice little boost. Is the
1: first one at home, or is it at Durham?
2: The first one's usually at Durham. Okay. Yeah, so...
1: Well, there you go. Go in, go into Cameron, get get that dub. Mm-hmm. We'll definitely. That fresh.
2: Yeah, well, it, if Cole plays, we'll definitely try and cover that for you guys,
1: too. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, we should probably talk a little bit about Kentucky, the team that actually won this Texas Tech game. But, yeah, like I said, this is a, a really impressive win to go into Lubbock, and that, that place was crazy. I think it was, like, free beer day for for all the fans in Texas Tech, so that that's awesome. They must have got, I'm not sure how many free beers they got, but they were definitely rowdy in Texas Tech in that arena. I think it was like they haven't lost a non-conference game there in like, I don't know, it was like 60 games or something like that. So that was obviously a r- really big test for this Kentucky team. And Nick Richards, he's the guy there for them, and I mean, it was pretty obvious. He He's kind of been getting better throughout the season, and this was his kind of spotlight test where he – was on the biggest stage on the road and he came up big time he had 25 points 14 boards and four blocks in this game he was just a menace on the defensive end and it seems like he's kind of taken that pj washington mold we saw a year ago more or less and that second year big that stayed for another year and really improved his game and it's probably going to help his draft stock quite a bit he's he's looking like he could be He's definitely going to be first team All SEC and he could even make a run for it in that All-American range and he, he yeah, he's been playing pretty lights out this this second half this this season so yeah. far.
2: Do you think he's the most important player to that Kentucky team?
1: I do. So I think he's their he's their guy. I think they kind of have figured that out their identity. Quickly and Higgins are two nice guards. They play good defense. They can get you buckets, but they also struggle at times. They're a little inconsistent. But I think they're good pieces around him. They can get their own shot. And then Maxi, who's the guy everyone loves, I think it's just kind of the X factor for them. And he, there's games where he is awesome. Obviously, we saw the the opening Champions Classic, and in that or against Louisville, he was also very, very good. But he's super inconsistent, and that's where my reservations lie with him. And he's so here's a stat with him: he's had more games where he scored seven points or fewer than games that he scored seventeen or more. And which isn't to say he's a bad player or anything, but there's a lot of variability with him, and he's really trick or treat. Like you don't know what you're gonna get with him from night to night, and if you're relying on a guy like that, and he has a bad game in the second round of the tournament, then you're probably getting bounced because there's a lot of really good teams this year. That the the second weekend of of March Madness, no one's safe. Like I say, the first weekend because I think all ones and two seats probably are gonna win, mm-hmm. just because history that usually, shows yeah, that it usually they happens. usually win. But after that man i I would not be surprised at all if we didn't see any one or two seeds in the final four this year like I'm not saying that's gonna happen, but mm-hmm. just there's so many there's a lot of seven eight, nine seeds that are really good and they are very capable of beating a top seed.
2: yeah, it does seem like every team has one or two players that can change the game, and that might be one of the reasons why we've seen such a fragmented season so far because. Every team's got a stud on their team, like, on their
1: squad. Yeah. No, they're, yeah. So, again, shout out to Kentucky. That was a huge win. I definitely – I'll shut up about them being pretenders at this point. I do want to see a little more before I pencil them down as one of the, the real contenders. But yeah. They, they've really – they've showed me a lot, and that last game was a, was a really big test for them, and they, they showed up, and they won in overtime. All right, so we should move on now to the second big thing we have planned. Uh, the state of the Big Ten, so what what do you kind of want to get in with that, Caden?
2: Well, the Big Ten conference is, is not really what we expected it would be yeah. at this point in the season. Right now, Illinois and Michigan State are tied at the top, and then in in order going down the list, we've got Maryland, Rutgers, Iowa, Indiana, Wisconsin, Penn State, Minnesota, purdue and here's what gets surprising Ohio State and Michigan are both yeah <laughs> both in the bottom dwellers they're both I think it looks like Ohio State is three and six in the conference Michigan is two and six in the conference and then we got Nebraska and northwestern at the at the very bottom
1: yeah so you, you don't really need to talk about the bottom two uh Nebraska no. and Northwestern they're they're very mm-hmm. mediocre. Don't players. worry, he wasn't planning on it. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> the the rest of them, all 12 of those teams could make the tournament. I think Lenardi in his bracketology has 11 yep. Big Ten teams. I'm not sure. which one, He might have like Purdue out or something. But yeah. Purdue is a very capable team of being in the tournament and even making a run because of the, their shooting and the, the kind of fast style of play they have. But the, they're, there are so many really good teams in the Big Ten this year. And it's like it's crazy like th- no other conference is close as far as step. like they blow everyone out of the water
2: and does the way that this conference looks does that worry you at all the fact that you know Minnesota and Purdue are both 11 and 9 and that they're being talked about as making the tournament possibly Michigan's 11 and 8 that's not a good record overall and Ohio State's 13 and 7 those teams have got to get some wins at some point, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. I, I think it's like we were kind of talking about the Big 12 SEC challenges. We see these teams kind of cannibalizing each other and especially on the road it seems like none of these teams can pick up road wins. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it, there's a kind of an understanding that the Big 10s are really good this year, so I don't think their teams are gonna be penalized too much for losing to each yeah. other. It's, it's much as like a Pac 12 or something like that. And mm-hmm. if you lose along the Pac 12, you're not going to get in and if you have a five hundred record in the Big Ten, it's still pretty impressive, I think.
2: Yeah, all these teams protect their home courts so well. Uh, one surprising stat here is the most out of out of all those teams we were talking about, besides the Nebraska and Northwestern, the most home losses a team has is three. So that means Illinois is eleven and one at home, Maryland's eleven and zero at home, Rutgers is fourteen and zero at home, Indiana's twelve and two at home. So all these teams in the Big Ten. Yeah. just do not lose on their home court, yeah. and which is really valuable. But it still worries me when we get to March because on a neutral site, it really doesn't come down to the home field advantage. It comes down to the players that you have. And I'm not saying they don't have the players to yeah, yeah. compete on that court, but I'm, ju- I, I'm just kind of pushing back on the total national consensus that the Big Ten is the best conference.
1: Yeah, I, just, I still think... I, I hear you in that regard. I think it's the deepest because there's a lot of really good teams. That, and even in the non-conference, they look pretty good. But the the top of it, I'm still not sold on is having, like, who's the national title contender of the Big Ten? It's probably Michigan State, right?
2: I would say so at this probably. point. But
1: who's second? Like, Illinois is still a young team. I like them. But are yeah. they really a national title contender? Maryland has been so inconsistent. Like, as dumb as it sounds, I still think Ohio State might be the second national contender just because of their their talent base, and mm-hmm. their, their ceiling is so high, and if, if they can kind of get things clicking at the right time, and they, they could be in that conversation as well. But yeah, it, the top-level talent doesn't seem up there with like the Big 12 or the ACC even as far as the, the national title contenders. I'm not sure they're really there.
2: That's what's so strange about this conference because their records are really, really good overall. But when you actually look at the top 25 rankings, when you look at the teams that they've beaten, they're not really, you know, they're kind of just there. They're not really making a huge name for themselves. No. They're, they're, just kinda solid. Just, they're just solid teams winning games at home, mm-hmm. which that'll get you in the NCAA tournament, no doubt. Yeah. Um, but I'll be curious to see how they actually perform when they get there, because I think, I know some of these teams have a chance to go really far. But yep. others could just flop. You exactly.
1: Know? And that, that's the reality of March is you could lose on any game. Right? We, you could lose to a 16 seed, and mm-hmm. it wouldn't be that crazy. I, I kind of wanted to go into talking about national title contenders, the, the bad luck and the misfortune of Big Ten in the past 20 years now. So the last Big Ten team to win it all was Michigan State in 2000. So it's been, this will be 20 years now, this year. That's that's a
2: very long time, by the way. Yeah,
1: so Maryland did win in 2003, but they were in the ACC at that time, so it doesn't technically count, (laughs) yeah. Chalk one up for the ACC, Mm -hmm. I'm kidding that one. But yeah, so it's been, so there's been 19 national champions without a single one coming from the Big Ten, and it could be 20 this year. So this is what's happened since then. So since 2000, there have been 14 Big Ten teams have made the Final Four. Not a single one, obviously, has won it. So in seven of those teams made the national championship game. So they're 0-7 in national championship games throughout all of the Big 12. Michigan has lost the na- in the national championship twice, once to Villanova and once to uh, redacted Louisville. So Rick Patino got them on that one. And in 2015 and in 2005, they had two Big Ten teams in the Final Four. And so in 2015, it was Michigan State and Wisconsin. Duke wins that year, so track went up for the ACC. Yep. And then two thousand five, it was Illinois and Michigan State in that one. So, and the yeah, neither of them were able to win. And so yeah. I think Carolina won that yeah, one. Yeah, and it was Carolina that won that one. Chalk won more Chuck for the, won ACC. More the ACC. Why so. not? The <laughs> not? Mich- the other one, is Michigan State has been a six Final Four since two thousand, and they're one in five in those games in the Final Four. So, yeah, that's kind of um, telling stats. <laughs> the the history has not been kind to the Big Ten. Yeah. And maybe this is their year. Who knows? Like like I said, I'm not sure who the national title contender is so in, hard in that bunch. But I also don't know who the clear-cut national yeah. title favorite is as of right now.
2: Are you ready for March? I'm starting to get a little bit amped for this it. This is only
1: January. It's I'm, I'm amped. Let's John go. John Rothstein. <laughs> but I'm very Hey, January excited. is almost over. It is. Yeah, then it will be February. Then it will then, be February. And then it will be March. March. After right? one more month. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. And then they start playing basketball, right? That's when the games start getting played. Yeah, and that's
2: when Quad A Green comes back. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be exciting for sure. <laughs> if UW makes the tournament.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. No, I mean, they're, they're a lock at this point, right? <laughs>
2: All we got to do is win the Pac-12 tournament. Yeah,
1: so shout out Washington. Go to 0-2 on that road trip, but uh, they're in trouble. <laughs> shout out. We, 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 like I said, we're not talking about them the rest of the, rest of the season. Probably. All we got to do is win the Pac-12 tournament. That's that's true. It's not,
2: it's not that hard.
1: All right, guys. Today we are joined by Montserrat Senor. Montserrat is one of the new daily sports writers. She just started the gymnastics beat. So can you start just by kinda of telling us a little bit about yourself, like your major, your year and your hometown?
0: Yeah, well I'm from Kirkland, Washington. I actually went to school in Kenmore at Inglemore. And I'm an intended business major here at the UW. I joined the daily because I did a little bit of sports writing back in the newspaper at my old high school. And for me, soccer, that was probably the main sport I was interested in Writing in. And coming to UW, I really wanted to kind of get back in that. And gymnastics was the first sport that was available to me this quarter, as I was recently hired. And I'm really thrilled to be in it.
1: Mm -hmm. Do you have any experience with gymnastics?
0: Yes, when I was little, probably around the age of five to eight, I played gymnastics. It was my favorite sport to watch. Growing up in the Olympics, so to be here and covering gymnastics, I kind of feel a little bit of nostalgia just watching them perform.
1: Nice. Do you have a favorite gymnast all time, someone like that you really look up to?
0: Mm, not really anymore. It was more of a little pastime I had when I was little. If, it, if the Olympics were going on, I would enjoy watching it, but I easily transitioned from enjoying gymnastics as my favorite sport to soccer later on in my life.
1: Nice, nice. And so as you've started working at The Daily now, what's the process been like getting started? Have there been any challenges to getting on your beat so far?
0: I would say so far that The Daily at UW, it's a lot different than what it was back in high school. I feel like the process of doing interviews, getting a recap in is a lot quicker. You're writing more content more frequently. Whereas in high school, I had a four-week window just to produce one article and with sports something would always change and here it's more consistent, more recent and newsworthy. And any challenges? I think just setting up interviews and trying to contact the SID, I've never had an experience such as that one, such as trying to organize when to interview them either before my classes, after classes or even after a, a meet like last night.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's one of the things that was always when I was starting was weird, like doing the interviews. Like, the very first time I did anything for the Daily, any actual reporting, it was for a women's soccer match, or it was for their a preview for their upcoming match. So I went to their practice, and the SID wasn't even there that day. So I had to kind of like do the interviews myself, and I, just, I got thrown in the fire, and it was, it was definitely a little nerve wracking. But then after it was easy because they were all really nice. But it was like I didn't know what I was doing at all, so. That's, I can definitely relate to the, getting the interviews, that is, that was probably the toughest part for me, and trying not to sound dumb when you're asking questions and stuff like that was always oh, yeah. a challenge.
0: I, the first time I went in for the preview interview, interview questions, I was familiar with the team a little bit, I did some reading beforehand, but again, I still wasn't sure as to what they were trying to accomplish this season, who exactly everyone was. So some of my questions definitely did sound a little, do you really know us? (laughs) Yeah. But now it's honestly improving a lot quicker as each meet goes by, kind of know more of the pattern with the team, and it's just a lot easier to comprehend.
2: And what have your impressions of the team been so far to the season? Have they impressed you? Have they kind of surprised you with anything they've done in their matches?
0: They've definitely impressed me a lot. The first meet I was unable to watch because it was being streamed In Michigan and you had Mm. to pay for it the second meet, it was at home versus Boise that was really good I thought the girls did amazing my favorite event probably was the beam and the floor there's just more excitement from the crowd I know one of the gymnasts Hannah Vandenkolk she has a really amazing beam routine that I love to watch every time and then on the floor just Kristen Hoffa Amara Cunningham and Ivani Robertson, Maya Washington, all of them do phenomenal and just gets the whole crowd and. Uh, I'm always amazed
2: going. watching them. They're they're just such ridiculous athletes, especially the people on the beam. But everybody total, just the way they're like flipping and just the actual balance and strength that mm-hmm. takes always surprises me. How how athletic those. are. Yeah, and
1: also how it's scored, like how precise you have to be at something so ridiculous that if I tried it I would just fall on my ass or something Uh, so and and how precise and how perfect you have to be in everything to to be elite at it is is just so crazy to me like if you if you play basketball and have an ugly jumper Mm -hmm. you can still score or like if you're not a great dribbler in soccer you can still probably be all right it's stuff Mm -hmm. like that but in gymnastics you got to be precise and perfect Mm -hmm. and the the amount of time it takes to work on that craft is it's got to be insane
0: Yes, exactly. I think from what I remember when I used to play gymnastics, my personal favorite event was the bars just because I found it super fun always doing flips Mm -hmm. with your hands jumping from like the higher bar to the lower bar. But I think watching gymnastics in general, my favorite event would be the floor and the beam just because the beam requires like the most precision. You're in a little
1: Yeah, how wide is it exactly?
0: I haven't asked.
1: Yeah, is it like six inches? It's like something? not wide at yeah. all. It's
2: about <laughs> it's like okay. about enough just so you can fit your feet. Jeez, that's like crazy. single file in.
0: Yeah. So you have to be incredibly precise. So when they're doing all these flips, I'm like, oh, okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's definitely crazy. So how exactly does – I have a little bit of a blind spot on this. How does gymnastics get scored holistically? I know you kind of get your score per event, and then is it all kind of added up at that point, or is there something else that goes on? For, like, how do you win a meet, I guess, in gymnastics?
0: So, basically, there's the two the two teams, and for each event, they score five individual scores and add that up, and that'll be the total for that event. Sometimes there will be six or seven gymnasts to go, and you would end up, I think, dropping the lowest score out of all of them, and then add that, so around nine points each person on average, times five would give you the average score of, like forty eight, if that's correct math. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 45. forty five. Forty five,
1: yeah. Forty five. Same thing. Yeah.
0: Honestly, but it'll get you there. You just multiply times five. And there's and then, four
1: events, so it's max where you possibly get's two hundred. Is that? Yes. Right? Is my math is you, you, you confirm it checks that? out. <laughs> All right. It's on, and they also had a pretty good day yesterday, right?
0: Yes, they, they surprised me. I know when I was talking to Elise, the yeah, at least the week before, she talked about how. She was happy the team got 196 for their second meet, and how Amara Cunningham had, I think, two career highs, but she still knew the team could do better and that the team needed to be pushing on the higher 196s and maybe even reaching a 187. And I found out through Haley last night that the Huskies have not scored over a 197 in like a little over a season and a half.
1: Wow.
0: Which was a lot. Especially for their third meet. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, and they they beat Cal. Did, did they win yesterday? Against yes, Cal?
0: they beat Cal for the first three rotations or events that they did. They were just trailing Cal by like maybe like a point one difference overall. Wow. And then finally, when they hit the floor, which is honestly, in my opinion, their best event overall as a team, they just easily won the meet narrowly.
2: And do you know how it works with the rankings? Because I know the Pac-12, they have their own standings. Is there also a national standings where teams stack up against each other
0: there, too? Yeah, sometimes I have a little trouble finding it, but I found it last night through some email mm-hmm. I got, and it's a mainly for the road to national standing. So okay. th- I think last night the Huskies, were still ranked 24 That's in the nation. Cute.
1: They're okay. probably going up, right, after Oh, yesterday. they probably did go okay. up.
2: Yeah, And they'll, they'll be playing in Nationals at the end of the year? Do they all just kind of go to a certain location and play in Nationals? Is that kind of the end-of-year tournament type deal? What's going on? with
0: there? Yes, there is a certain location. I don't know much about it yet because yeah. I know that last season they didn't end up qualifying for Nationals. The first two years under Elise, they did qualify for Nationals, but last season they made a new rule with the NCAA where I think they they lowered the teams that can qualify to eight. Mm. And the Huskies oh, okay. were, I think, number 11, so they okay. just barely missed so it. that's
2: pretty difficult to qualify yeah, then, especially sure. if there's only eight teams. Mm-hmm.
1: Eight. <laughs> All right, so now moving into, you mentioned a lot about soccer. That's what you really like. So what would be, like, your dream sport or dream event that you could cover if you could just snap your fingers and, and go there? It would be, like, the World Cup or the Olympics or something, Premier League? What, what's, your, what's your thing?
0: This is a difficult question. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, the World Cup. Yeah. Just because <laughs> Mexico is a team I will always support. The I think probably when I watch any soccer game of any country, any league, the Mexican commentators are my favorite. They speak super <laughs> yes. fast. Yes. They start saying like all this incredible nonsense that's like pretty funny. Yeah. They really get the energy going for anyone watching. Like even we're just watching on TV, it's amazing. And if it wasn't even the World Cup, at least the Mexican soccer league Liga MX—it's just super fun.
2: If you had to pick one national team player for Mexico, you can pick all time throughout history who would be your, your favorite?
0: Chicharito. Oh,
2: that's a good choice. No
0: question, my is he still favorite playing? player. Yes, he just recently transferred to the LA Galaxy.
2: Oh yeah, I did hear about that actually. He's gonna be playing in America now.
0: Oh, yes. I already marked down on my calendar the day LA Galaxy plays the Seattle Sounders in (laughs) Seattle because I know he's going to be traveling with the team unless there's an injury, but he'll be here. Yeah. And I can finally watch him play in person. That's
1: awesome. All right. So what's your favorite sports memory throughout everything? What, What one moment really resonates with you that you look back on and just smile every time you think of?
0: Oh, this is a really hard question. There's so many... I think it was 2017, my favorite team, Chivas, from Guadalajara, which is where my mom's side of the family is from, they won their first Liguilla or, champ, or like championship in the, in the league in 2017, in May, I believe. And they haven't won a championship in like a few years. It's been a while since they have. Mm-hmm. And when they finally won that 12th star... I'm like, I have to get a jersey, I have to go to Mexico, I have to buy this original jersey, and it's a nice little gold star that went above the, the logo. So when they won that match, I was just incredibly happy. Well,
1: that's awesome. great. You got anything else? Nah. I, I just have one question before you go. Even if you know nothing, we need a prediction. So we're a college basketball podcast, and we need to know who you think is going to win the college basketball tournament this year. Maybe,
2: maybe give her a list of teams that that are vying yeah. for it.
1: I, I just want to – just any team. It <laughs> could be Washington. I just want to hear it. it, it okay. doesn't have to have any reasoning towards that. Just, wait. No what's your gut reaction? That's what I want to
0: know. I want to say UCLA, but I honestly have no idea how they're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: mean, that's a good that's historical like a pick. pick. Yeah, it's a smart pick. I yeah, think. they got Mick Cronin. They might. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's they might make a run. But, yeah, all right. Great, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, thank, you. We'll right, see thank how, you so much. Yeah, We'll see how UCLA pans out the rest of the season. Good luck to you with your Ryan. Good luck to the UW gymnastics team. You can check out Montserrat's work on the daily UW in the sports section, like the rest of us. And yeah, thank you so much for, for coming on yeah, and helping you. us.
0: Well, thank you.
1: All right, I'm going to get into a little bit of games to watch for the week, and then we'll we'll wrap it up and let's get anything else. Nah, let's do it. Yeah, so Tuesday, going to have Florida State at Virginia. That game's at 4 p.m. Virginia's kind of a, a borderline bubble yeah. team, but they're still – it's a, at Virginia, so it could mm-hmm. be a tough game. Important for them, so. to watch
2: how Florida State handles Virginia, too, because they do they play their weird defensive scheme. Yeah, and yeah, Florida State's pipeline. a team that we've been pretty high on, so hopefully they can Yeah. It'll, be, it'll still
1: be a good test for them. Uh, Purdue at Rutgers, too. Pretty good Big Ten teams. It, pretty much any Big Ten game that doesn't include Northwestern or Nebraska, you should watch. Like, those are all really good games. The, the Just because we were talking about the kind of parity they have, like any team could win. Uh, Wednesday, you're going to have West Virginia at Texas Tech. Good Big 12 matchup at 5 p.m. See if Texas Tech can kind of bounce back. Indiana at Penn State. get another pa- Big Ten game. That game's at 5.30 and then Thursday, Iowa at Maryland. That's like the only ranked matchup of the week, but still should be a pretty good game. Luca Garza going up against Six Smith. That one's at 530. Should be a pretty good one as well. Yeah, we don't really have any
2: huge names playing in these games, but yeah. they are teams that are all competing right now. So that's that's about all we had for the show today, mm-hmm. right?
1: Yeah, that's all I
2: got. Awesome. Well, I'm Caden Condor. And I'm Josh Hay. And this has been the Box Seat Podcast. We will be back on Friday to talk about the week's events. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you guys have any questions for us, just DM us on Twitter at The Boxy Podcast, and we will see you next time.